This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. All right, well, we're going to get the message going today. We're continuing on in the series Habits that started last week. Pastor Derek started. It was really great. Um, I'll be continuing on today, and then we'll wrap up this series next week. It's a really small one, but it's going to be a good one. Uh, And so before we get going any further and I start messing stuff up, let's pray and let's ask God to bless this time. God, we thank you so much for this beautiful day that you've given us. Um, I say beautiful not because of weather, even though the weather is beautiful. I say beautiful because today you've given us life. Um, Our hearts are beating. Our lungs are functioning. Our minds are processing. Our spirit is, is being stirred to you. All of those things are a gift. Uh, and that makes every day beautiful, God. So today we just say thank you. We thank you for this time that we have to get into your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do, what my words can't do and what music can't do and inspiration can't do. Holy Spirit, you bring about transformation inside hearts. And so, Lord, I ask you just to do that and let it give uh, glory to God today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Cool. Well, as I said, we're going on. And habits, we're going to continue uh, where Pastor Derek was teaching about. I uh, really enjoyed listening to his message, and I had to listen because normally on Sunday mornings during this time, I'm over there with the 5th through 8th graders. So I'm excited to get to be in here today with all of you. Now, talking about habits, most of the time when you bring up the word habits, you say habits, 75% of the time probably, and that's just my guesstimation, I didn't come off some poll, uh, probably 75% of the time we lean towards thinking bad habits, right? We hear, we hear the word habits, we're like, oh great, we're going to hear about our bad habits and how we need to kick them and all that kind of stuff. And although that may be true, there may be elements that, that is true that we all have bad habits and we have things that we need to kick or get rid of or work on or improve. Uh, today more so is focused on good habits, on uh, good habits and using them. I have a quote from a book, um, a book called Thinking as a Science by Henry Hazlitt. He has this one uh, quote that I thought was phenomenal. He said, the only way we could remember would be by constant rereading. For knowledge unused tends to drop out of mind. Knowledge used does not need to be remembered because practice forms habits and habits make memory unnecessary. The rule is nothing. The application is everything. So basically what he's saying right there is, in order to remember things, we would have to read them over and over and over and over. We'd have to reread over and over to remember things. And he says, but remembering things is not hard at all when you practice or you do the things that you want to remember. And when you apply action to what you have learned, then you don't have to return so much to study to remember things uh, because He says, practice forms habits, and habits make memory unnecessary. The rule isn't as important as application. Application is everything. Doing what you've learned is everything. And now I've got a story to go with this, all right? Yeehaw. Okay, I um, moved up here from Texas three years ago. In case a little southern draw sneaks out on some words, you'll have to forgive me for that. And you'll also have to notice and forgive that that's why I'm wearing blue today, not green and gold. All right? And uh, I know, I know, that's like blasphemy in the cardinal sin up here, so you'll have to forgive me and pray for me or something like that. Um, so, I uh, pray that God overlooks my Cowboys fandom. But, nonetheless, I moved up here from Texas, and in Texas, I had a commercial driver's license. I had a Class B CDL, which means you can drive any straight commercial vehicle, not one with a trailer or a joint. I could drive a straight truck. I could drive a dump truck. I could also drive buses, but also in order to drive passengers on a bus, you have to have a passenger endorsement. You have to have a Class B license with a passenger endorsement. So I also had that. Reason being, I drove the bus. uh, I was one of the bus drivers for the Bible school that I used to work at in Texas. And so I'd transport Bible school students to and fro multiple times a week. And because of that, I had to get my Class B CDL with passenger endorsement. Well, let's fast forward. Three years later, here I am today. And many of you might not know, if we're Facebook friends, you probably know, but I'm driving a school bus for Kiel this year. As my wife and I live in Kiel, we just bought a house there two months ago. And so I thought, you know what? I could supplement just a little bit more income, have some... uh, 
I could also get to know more people in my community, get more connected and involved into my community where I live. Uh, wouldn't interfere with my church responsibilities at all. And uh, have fun with kids, because that's crazy. Being the school bus driver, I'm like, yeah, you know. Um, all that kind of stuff. I get to be that guy. <laughs> like, uh, you got your window down three latches, only two latches, or get off the bus. Uh, okay. I don't make the rules, but I do enforce them. All right. So, pastor bus driver. Um, so, I'm, I'm driving a school bus this year. And the funny thing is, I used to drive in Texas. So, I had to, in Texas, I had to get the driver's manual, study all that, learn all the numbers. You got to stop between 500 and 100, or you have to turn on your alternating red flashing lights between 500 and 100 feet. And at this point is when you open your... Your, your stop sign and your crossing arm, blah, blah, blah. And as your students are going off the bus, you have to count them one, two, three, four, and watch and make sure that they're going where they're supposed to be going and that they get to designated safe points before you turn off the signs, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. I learned all that stuff in Texas. But I moved up here, and when I moved to Wisconsin and I go to the DMV, which means me, makes me question my salvation, um, <laughs> when you go to the DMV and I change my driver's license over from uh, Texas to, to Wisconsin, I... Uh, I'm up there, and she's like, okay, well, I see you have a Class B certification CDL. Uh, do you want to translate that over, too? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? Who knows when I might need it? She's like, okay, well, that'll be this much more, so much more dollars. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and it's like, you know, single guy just moved from Texas to Wisconsin. All the money is gone. So um, maybe I'll add that later. She's like, okay, well, that's fine. You can, you'll just have to do all the stuff over. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm probably not going to use it again. Well, now, three years later, here I am, and I'm like, I don't think I want to drive a school bus. So, anyways, here's the deal. I'm thinking, I used to do this in Texas. I did it all the time, several times a week. Uh, I knew it pretty well, so I could probably get the manual, just kind of skim through it, you know, passive reading really quickly, just checking out a few highlights. I might need to spend a second in the air brake section, because that stuff can be tricky, the numbers, but... It'd be good. I'll go take it, and I'll go in. And so I did. I got the book. I kind of read through it quickly, not very intentively. And uh, I went to the DMV with my little swagger, former bus driver self, and I was like, I'd like to take the Class B CDL test, please. Thank you. And so they give me the papers, have to fill out all the stuff, and then they go sit down at the computer and put on the headphones and take the test. And when I do so, I passed half of it. Which is not enough. It's not enough. And so I was immediately sobered and humiliated and reminded of that when you don't do something regularly, you forget it. Oh, here comes the preaching point, right? So I had done it a whole lot in Texas, but I moved to Wisconsin, don't do it for three years, and realized I forgot all the stuff that used to be automatic and easy for me. And so I had to, once again, return back to the manual and actually really read everything and really study and highlight things and all that kind of stuff to try and get it in me and then go back and take the test. And I went back and took it. And Well, I'm a bus driver now, so obviously I passed. But um, otherwise, we need to pray for the community of Kiel. And <laughs> that's a joke. If you live in Kiel, don't worry. I, I have the license in my wallet. So... Um, so I, I got licensed, and now I'm driving and all that kind of stuff. And it's funny, even when I started training after I got my permit, I'm training with the guy who's the trainer, and, and I get behind, the, bu- uh, behind the, the steering wheel, which, you know, buses are like, the steering wheel's like this big. So, uh, and so I'm driving, and he's telling me all this stuff. And as I'm driving, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's how that works, and all that, yeah, that's how it goes, and I forgot that. And then after about three training sessions of driving, it was all back, and all of it came back. I remembered it all, and then I, I went through my skills test, which is where you have to actually drive and do the stuff and do all the pre-trip inspection, memorizing all this hoopla stuff. Anyways, it's all good because it's for safety. So uh, you do all these things, and, but after doing it just three times, it all came back, and I remembered, and lo and behold, I stand before you today as a bus driver. It's part of who I am. It's not only who I am. I do lots of other things, but I am a bus driver. So all of that... The things that I had once known pretty well and did, I stopped doing and forgot how to do and also lost the identity, so to speak, of being a bus driver. Let's go ahead and get to the Word of God now. Let's go to the book of James, 
chapter 1. It's a very, very famous and popular passage. I want to read it today. It's towards the back of the Bible in case you're looking for it. Hebrews and James. And I'm going to be reading from my favorite translation, the New Living Translation. I really like the way it breaks stuff down. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. The Apostle James is talking. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, that's a whole sermon right there that we don't have time for, so we're going to keep reading. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Let's pause right there. So James says, all right, guys, nutshell, let's put away wickedness. Let's be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, because the anger of man is not of God. Let's put away all the wickedness in our life. Let's live godly by receiving the implanted word of God. All right? That's pretty simple. Let's not live wickedly, and let's receive the implanted word. But... It doesn't stop there because we all receive the word. We come on Sundays every single Sunday. Maybe you do every single Sunday, maybe not. Maybe you listen to the message later in the week if you didn't get to make it that weekend. Or maybe you listen to different podcasts of some of your favorite preachers. I like to do that. Maybe you read some good Christian magazines or some good Christian books. Or you have Bible studies and all that. All those things are great and awesome. And you can do them all the time and should do them as much as you can. They're great. But the catch is... If you just hear all that stuff and don't do anything from it. Let's see what he says when you go on. Verse 22, he says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So if you do all those things that I just rattled off, all those things that get you a lot of like spiritual points, right? Which... There aren't such things, so don't be looking for the scoreboard. Um, All these things that are good for you to do, like read your Bible, pray, uh, go to church, listen to preachers, read Christian literature, maybe listen to the Christian radio and Christian music. All those things are good to hear and to listen and to learn. But he says if you hear it all and don't do, if you don't apply, you are deceiving yourself. Because it's real easy to come to church once a week, sit in this chair, hear the message, and feel like you got your spiritual check mark, right? Feel like, all right, I'm doing what I should be doing. I'm at a good place. But if you don't do, if you don't apply, he says you're deceiving yourself. Let's keep on reading and find out why. He says, verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away And at once forget what he was like. Forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So, here we are, 2015. And this morning, I woke up, my alarm clock went off after snoozing. Uh, When I woke up, I got up out of bed. I stand up. Right away, in front of the foot of my bed is a dresser with a big old mirror on it. As soon as I'm getting up out of bed, I see a mirror, I see my reflection, I know what I look like, and know we need to get some work going in the shower and with the hair product and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, that's, that's right away as I wake up. As I go into the bathroom and I turn around, and there's a, another mirror right there where I can once again see my reflection. If I go into the office where my closet is, because that's where the small closet is. Guys and gals, we know how that works. And (laughs) I go in there to get my clothes out. There's not any mirrors in there, but there is a window and computer screens. And if I pass either of them, I can once again see my reflection right there. Um, Let's say I I finish showering, getting dressed, get ready, all that kind of stuff, walk out into the rest of the house. We got a big old bay window in the living room. We got some big old honking windows in our kitchen, another window of the sink. If I go into the other restroom, there's a sink in there, or a mirror in there too. Lots and lots of opportunities to see myself. No, I'm not trying to say I'm that narcissistic. I'm just pointing out the opportunities, okay? And so then even beyond that, let's say I go into the garage and get to uh, 
uh, passing the cars or getting into the car as you approach the car. There again, in the windows, I see myself. If I get in the car, there's a rearview mirror. Once again, I see this much of myself. Then uh, you can flip down the visor. There's another mirror there where you can see yourself. Now, 2015, we have tons, hundreds of opportunities every single day to see our reflection. So, if we walked and looked, walked up to and looked in a mirror and saw ourselves, like it says right here in James chapter 1, and turned away and immediately forgot what we look like, we'd be like, we need to pray for that person. Something's wrong with them if they're forgetting what they look like right after they see themselves. Why? Because we see ourselves so much and so often that we so very well know what we look like. But if you rewind 2,000 years ago to when this was written, that's how it makes sense when he says, he says, uh, for anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now, he says, a person who hears the word and doesn't do it is like a person who looks in a mirror. For they walk away and forget what they look like. And for me, I'm kind of like, I don't walk away from the mirror and forget what I look like. Because I see myself all the time and all these opportunities to see my reflection. But 2,000 years ago, the mirrors they had were much more few and far between. And today we have glass mirrors that are much more of a pure image, when back then they had metallic mirrors that were somewhat bent, dim, warped, and so even the reflection they saw of themselves was somewhat uh, distorted, so they didn't see a perfect image of themselves. Or maybe perhaps they went down to the river to get their water, uh, and they'd see themselves in the water, but the water's going like this, so they don't see a perfect image of themselves. Long story short, back then people didn't know as much what they looked like as we do today. And so for them to get to a mirror or get to a place where they could see themselves and then walk away and they don't see themselves for a week or however long it may be, they would forget what they look like. Now, that's a foreign, funny concept to us because we know what we look like because we see ourselves all the time. But that's what James equates us hearing over and over and over the word or hearing the teaching but never doing. He says the person who hears and doesn't do is like the person who forgets what they look like or you forget who you are. Why? Because just like driving the bus, if you are not doing, if you are not applying, you are forgetting. You can study it all day long. Listen, I went all the way from kindergarten through 12th grade, graduated, went to college, went to Bible school, and I learned a lot over that 22 years. And I can tell you, I remember and know, what, 20% of the stuff maybe that I learned over all that time? Something like that? Why? Because if, like the author earlier said, if you're not rereading over and over, you are forgetting. It's going to fall out of your mind into that deep, dark place back there where stuff goes to die. Who knows what happens to the things we forget. And you are forgetting. But if you are doing, then remembering, you don't really have to work on because by function, by, by, uh, by act, and by doing, you are remembering the things that you would be learning. I mean, I've, I'm 30 years old, okay? So I've been driving for 14 years. Got my driver's license when I was 16 or if you add six months to that from when I was 15 for the permit, been driving a little more than 14 years. And, uh, and so I've been driving for a really long time. Now, having said that, I drove here this morning. I made eight turns. I know that because after I got here, I counted. I said, I made eight turns to get here. And I do not recall using my blinker one time but I know that I did use my blinker eight times. Why? Because I've been doing it so long, so much, that I don't even think about it. My hand just does it. When I'm going to make a turn, I just turn on the blinker and don't even think about it. How about when you're driving down the highway and the road is going like this? Are you thinking, I need to turn the steering wheel some here to stay on the road? No. You're not thinking that. You just do it because... You are a driver. It's who you are. It's part of your identity. 
You are a driver, and therefore there are so many things that habitually you do over and over and over and over without even recognizing it or acknowledging it. That's how we work. Remember last week, Pastor Derek pointed out that 45% of our daily routine, our daily lives, is habit. We do it without even thinking. That's how powerful habit is because most of us who got here this morning didn't really think about how we're getting to church. You just came and you did how many things on the way here that you didn't even think about. When I drive a bus, at first when I started driving a school bus again, I was thinking, okay, 500 and 100 feet, between 500, okay, this is about there, okay, alternating red flashing lights, okay, kids are uh, where they should be, they're in a safe zone, I can keep approaching, all right, I need to stop at the doors at the driveway, okay, stop, all right, I need to check my mirrors before opening the door, make sure, okay, and now I can open the door, which will signal the stop arm and the crossing arm. I need to watch the kids, count them as they're coming up, wave at their parents, hi. Uh, they're coming on the bus, all this stuff. Day one was pretty nerve-wracking. One, because I got like 50 kids' lives in my hands, but also there's all these regulations and rules that I have to follow while having these kids' lives in my hands, so there's just so much to think about. Two weeks in, I'm like, hey, hey how's it going? Not saying I take lightly what I'm doing because that would be very dangerous, but I am a bus driver now. Am I a bus driver because I read the manual and studied all the stuff, which is good and needs to be done? No. I'm a bus driver because I read and studied the stuff and now I do it. And since I do it, there are so many parts of being a bus driver that happen habitually in my life now that I don't even think about really. I don't really think about flipping the alternating red, lights, red flashing lights anymore. I just do it because it's habit. I am a bus driver. It's who I am. Which brings me to the point that our habits come from what we believe. They come from what we know. I'm 30 years old. That's 30 years I've been developing habits. Okay? Now let's just pretend that I just got saved today. I just received Christ in my life today. How uh, I'm a pastor, that's interesting, but... Uh, 30 years old, let's say I just received Christ in my life, then that means 30 years I have been developing habits that are contrary to the will and nature of God. Now, when you're a Christian, the Spirit of God comes into you and makes you new instantly. You are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man is in Christ, behold, he is a new creation or a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I got saved, I didn't like turn into a lion. When he says a new creation, a new creature, that did not happen to me. And if it happened to you, I want to hear that story, okay? (laughs) Because that's not what it's talking about when you say a new creature. When you're born again, when you become a Christian, it's not like... Your hair changes all of a sudden. That'd be kind of cool too, like Afro pops out or something. That doesn't happen. What happens is your spirit becomes new. Your spirit is born of God the instant that you become a Christian. Three parts. I know Pastor Derek taught this just a few weeks ago, that the human is made up of three parts, the spirit, the soul, and the body. We are a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in this temporary body, which is decaying until we die. And so we have these three parts. When you become a Christian, when you become saved, your spirit man is instantly made new. You are reconciled to God instantly. You are a child of God Instantly, you are made right before God. You are no longer guilty. You are declared innocent because the blood of Jesus has washed you from sin. God has saved you and brought you into his family. All this massive, massive ramifications take place in an instant, the moment that you are saved. But if you got saved when you're 30 years old, if you became a Christian when you're 30 years old, then that means... You had 30 years of developing habits and learning how to think and believe without being a new creation in Christ. Which means you have 30 years of unwiring and rewiring to do. Because you have to learn how to be what you have become. You've got to learn how to be what you have become. It's a lifelong process of learning what happened in a second. For instance, I'm not a parent yet. We don't have kids yet. But uh, how many of you do? Raise your hand. If you have children, raise your hand. Lots of you guys. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. Now, when 
said child exited the birthing canal. Doctor grabs baby, smacks bottom. Eh, child is born, right? That moment, you became, in an instant, you became a father or mother, right? That is when you became a father or a mother. Does that mean you know how to be a father or a mother? No. Maybe you took some classes. That's good. That's cool. That's well-intended and probably helpful. Maybe you read some books. That's good. That's well-intended and probably helpful. Hopefully you did something to try to prepare for the life that's about to be in your hands. But even if you did, I'm pretty sure some parents would say amen to the fact that you don't know how to be a mom and a dad. Right? That's a lot of trial and error, right? That's a lot of, man, what were we thinking? It's a lot of, let's take a minute to pray for the firstborn kids, right? Why? Because in an instant, in a moment, you became somewhat of an identity shift. You became a dad or you became a mom. But you then, after that, had to learn how to be what you had become. And it is no different in our faith, in our walk with Christ, in Christianity. If you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you realize I'm a sinner and I'm bound for hell if Jesus doesn't save me. He paid for my sin with his blood on the cross to make me right with God. I've learned that. I believe that. I have faith. I place my faith in Christ. That moment you become saved, hey, guess what? You just signed up for a lifelong lesson of what that even means. What does that even mean to be a child of God? You just signed up for a really long lesson that you will do well at and you will do horrible at. You will have ups, you will have downs. But let me tell you something. Why habits are so important in your walk with Christ is because habits either tell us who we are or remind us who we are. If you've had 30 years of habits that are running your life and they're contrary to the nature of God and you have received the nature of God, you've become a Christian, you've received the Spirit of God inside of you, you're a new creation, but you've got 30 years of thinking and habits going on, then you've got conflict going. And how many of you have been here? I know I've been here to where you get saved, you receive the Spirit of God, you love God, you're a new creation, you genuinely have that connection with God. It says in Romans chapter 8 that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So what that means is when you become a Christian, the Spirit of God comes into you and says, yeah, you belong to God. You do. You don't need someone else to tell you. You don't need a checklist of have I done these things or anything like that. When the Spirit of God comes into you, you know you are a child of God. Having said that, we had that experience. You're a child of God. You're a Christian. And then a week later, two weeks later, a month later, whatever, you stumble, you fall, you sin, you mess up. And then it's like, wait, wait a minute, but I, I, thought, I, I thought I was a new creature. I thought I was a new creation or or if I am a new creation, if I am a Christian, then why am I still struggling with this over here? Why is this temptation still getting me? Why am I having this issue right here if this is true? Because you have so many habits over this much time that you have been building, making you who you are, and now you've had an identity change, identifying with Christ, becoming a child of God, standing in Christ, that... You've got all this stuff to reformat and rewire. And the only way to do that is by developing habits. That's the only way to do that. James says if you are, I mean, you can be saved, you can be born again, you can be hearing this stuff all the time, but if you are not doing it, you're deceiving yourself. So many people are battling and wrestling the frustration and confusion of like, wait, wait, was I, did I ever really get saved? Or, or was I just hung up in the emotion of the moment? Or why am I feeling this way? Probably because you have a lifestyle and habits set up that are contrary to who you now are. Now, I've got to reveal something that I'm a little embarrassed about, but how many of you guys have seen the movie The Princess Diaries? I'll blame it on that I had sisters, okay? I have four little sisters, so I'll blame it on that. Princess Diaries, what's that girl's name? Uh, Anne Hathaway. She is, this, uh, she is this girl that's like this goofy, nerdy, weird, awkward girl, teenager in school. 
And lo and behold, one day this lady shows up on her door and knocks on her door. Are you such and such? Yes, I am. Oh, well, I'm delighted to meet you. I'm actually your, what was it, grandma or something like that? Yeah, I'm your grandmother. Okay, this is awkward. And then, turns out, grandmother is the queen of fictional country named Genovia. And so she's like, I'm here to let you know that you're actually a princess. And she's like, uh, and like slams the door and walks away. And then, then the rest of the movie is this girl actually accepting the identity of who she is and then learning what that looks like. She finds out, you're royalty, you're a princess. Now that you know that, we're going to bring you back to Genovia. And also, in the process, we need to teach you a few things. Uh, princesses don't walk like this. And they don't wave like this. They have good stature, good posture. They do, you know, how's it go, girls? The elbow first, right? Something like that. Um, you know, they walk like a lady. You wear heels, and although that's going to break your ankles for a little while, you don't burp anymore. Um, no flatulence is acceptable, okay? Um, your, your hair needs to be done. You need to dress this way. Was it, these are the things you need to do to become a princess? No, it was, hey, guess what? This is actually who you are, and so now that you know who you are, here's what it looks like, and let's do it. And that's exactly, exactly the case with Christianity. It is, God calls you, chooses you, opens your eyes to the truth of the gospel, and he saves you, makes you a Christian, but then it's like, oh, hey, now that you know that you're a Christian, here's a lot more of what that looks like. It is not... This is what you need to act like to be a Christian. It is not that. Because your behavior doesn't have anything to do with it. That is all based on, do you put your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation? That's it. Ephesians chapter 2 and many other places tell us that we are saved by grace, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's it. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Because if it was, I do all these things, I do check all these check marks, I do go to church, I do read my Bible, I do pray, I do listen to Christian podcasts, I do read CCM magazine, I do all these different things, and so therefore I'm a Christian. You're deceived because you think you're actually good enough for God, and you're not. Only Jesus Christ was good enough for God. That's why he paid the price by dying on the cross in our place. Okay, That's the only reason that you are qualified to be a child of God because Jesus died in your place and paid for your admission into the family of God. He paid for your adoption to come into the family of God. But since you are adopted into the family of God, then we've got to learn what that looks like. Okay, We've got to learn this is what a Christian does. And it's not a you need to act this way, you need to do these things, otherwise you're not a Christian. It's no, let's find out who we really are. Let's get in here and learn who we really are. And then, like James just said, not only do we need to learn who we really are, we don't need to just be hearers, we need to be doers. It's like if you went up to a prince and you said, hey, hey, prince, uh, uh, I, uh, I live out here on the street, I sleep on the, on the sidewalk here every night, cardboard box, pretty nice, not as bad as everyone says, you should try sometime. Prince is going to be like, mm, maybe next time. No, actually, not even next time, not going to happen. Why? Because he's a prince, he's royalty, he's like, homie, I got, I got a king-size bed in the castle. I, I know I'm a prince, not a prince-size. I got a king-size bed somehow. I got that worked out. I got a king-size bed in the castle. It's wonderful. It's cushy. It's, I'm sleeping there because uh, I'm a prince, and so that's, that's where I live. Okay, well, 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 well I, I get that. You know, comfort, that's fine. But actually, I've been trying this new fad. It's really big called uh, dumpster diving. It's really big right now, which is gross. If you have that issue, we want to pray for you after service, okay? Tried this uh, dumpster diving. You know, you can get a whole meal, save lots of money and all that stuff. And the prince is going to be like, first, you nasty. Uh, secondly, uh, no, I'm not going to eat uh, your, your dumpster food because I'm a prince. I, the king table, the king's table with the king's chef you know, like the best in the world. I can have that every day whenever I want, so I think I'm, I'm going to do that because I'm a prince. And not to sound pompous and arrogant, but understanding who you are determines how you act. 
That's why it's important to get into the Word of God. That's why it's important to hear sermons and messages. But beyond that, when you know who you are, it changes how you act. And so this lifelong process of learning how to be what we have become is this process of studying and learning, but then not only that, because you'll forget it, but then doing. And this doing works best by establishing habits. You can, habits can be so, so very helpful because our habits either reinforce or confuse the truth we have received. Okay? Our habits either reinforce the truth we've received, like we come to church and we learn who we are in Christ, and we get out there and then we develop habits that come in line with that, and so those habits remind us and reinforce us uh, enforce who we are. It's like looking in the mirror over and over and over again. Oh yeah, that's what I look like. That's what a child of God looks like. That's why you can use habits in your favor. Or if you don't use habits like that, then they will confuse who you are because you'll be that guy that we were just talking about that's like, yay, I'm a Christian. I got saved. I've got Jesus in my life. And then pitfall over here, acting like this, acting all these ways that are not becoming for a child of God goes, uh, uh, wait a minute. Am I a child of God? Or wait a minute, what happened? And confusion comes in. Frustration comes in. And so habits don't save you. Habits, um, uh, habits are important because they can be used to help you. We will either use habits intentionally or we will unintentionally let habits rule us. You will either use habits intentionally or unintentionally you'll let habits rule you. If you don't, if you, you look at the word of God, you hear these sermons and you step back and you look at, oh wait, there's this area of my life that's not matching the word of God, that's not lining up, that's not becoming for a child of God. If you look at that and you don't go, you know what, I need to set up some habits to, to start to shift that, then you're going to just continue to be ruled by those habits that are in place. The what's, what's there is going to stay and you're just going to keep on doing it until you are intentional about changing it. If you're unintentional, you're just going to stay where you're at. You're just going to stay put, okay? We will either use habits intentionally or we will unintentionally let habits rule us. We spent our whole lives up to this point just going with what we've been taught, going with what we've learned, going with what we've experienced. And then this massive transformation takes place internally in our spirit. But if you don't set up natural habits to help continue to facilitate that, chance, that transformation and set up habits that remind you who you are rather than confuse and frustrate who you are, then that's what you're going to have. You're going to have confusion, frustration. You're going to deal with doubt in ways that you don't have to if you facilitate habits that will, that will help you forward. With this, having, having said that, uh, I've made a small list about habits um, what habits are not good for and what habits are good for. Because, you know, you can have a good thing that was designed for um, something that was designed to be used a certain way and it's good, but if it's used the wrong way, then it's not good. It's dangerous and destructive. For instance, um, like hammer, a hammer, right? It's designed, it was created with a purpose. A hammer is great for driving nails, right? A hammer is not so great for child discipline, right? <laughs> You might think that. You might get tempted with that sometimes. Resist the temptation. Okay? Uh, hammer, not very good as a fly swatter. Okay? Uh, different things like that. A spoon is great for getting food from point A to point B. I'm thankful for spoons. Okay? We'd have a lot more cleanup if we didn't have spoons. Um, but, you know, we've been digging this hole back behind the church to get that seal over there and everything. A uh, spoon, not a very good shovel. Not a very good shovel. Massive hole back there. Try to do it with a spoon. You might kill yourself or kill someone else because you're going to run out of patience. You're going to get frustrated. It's going to be exhausting and, and feel pointless. Using things rightly matters. And so although now we've been taking this time to bring light to our habits, make us realize a ton of your life is habits, we need to realize our habits, focus on habits, move forward with habits. It's important now also that we use habits rightly. And before we get to using them rightly, I want to point out a few ways that habits are used wrongly, okay? Habits are not good for making you more holy, more righteous, or more loved by God, okay? It's important you understand that. As you endeavor to start out some new good habits, you have to realize right now, getting those good habits in place 
And from those good habits, behaving better, I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way, but your habits are going to help you act a certain way. And so if you're putting good habits in place and you are therefore behaving better, it's easy to think that God's happier with you. And that's, that's a lie. You want to know why God is happy with you? Because his son died for you and you put your faith in him. That's it, guys. I'll say it over and over. Anytime I'm on this stage, you know you're going to hear about grace through faith alone. Being saved by grace through faith alone. You're not... The, these, these habits and making changes in your life, that uh, installing, instilling good habits, those things do not make God go, wow, they're really trying. You know what, Jesus? I think I love them more. Doesn't make God go, wow, they're really working hard. They're a little more holy than they used to be. Polish them up a little bit. Doesn't make God go, wow, they're not doing that sin as much as they used to. They're a little more, we're a little more right standing than we used to be. No. Lies, lies, lies. That is only determined by your faith in Jesus Christ, and that's it. All these things, well, then why do they matter? Because they affect your belief. They, 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 there are so many ramifications of, of uh, your habits that we've seen from the, the rest of this message. So habits are not good for making you more holy, more righteous, and more loved by God. They are not good for making you feel better about yourself. And you're like, well, yeah, they are, because if I have good habits, then I feel better about myself. Which can be true, but the problem is if you behaving good or doing things better or right, if that makes you feel better about yourself, then that reveals a wrong belief that you have. If you feel better about yourself when you behave better, then you have a wrong belief, and that belief is that God accepts you according to how you behave. It also reveals that you receive your identity from how you behave rather than receiving your identity from belonging to Christ. Your identity needs to be set in Christ. Your acceptance needs to be set in Christ. Your feelings about yourself should be set in Christ. He died for me. That ought to make me feel pretty good about myself. He wanted to save me. It's not I'm performing good enough. It's God chose me and sent his son to die for me. So habits are not good about are not good for making you feel better about yourself because if you feel better about yourself when you perform better, then that reveals you have some wrong beliefs. Habits are not good for grading your level of spiritual maturity, okay? Because what we could do is we can say, oh, I've been doing this and this and this and this a lot better. I'm growing. I, I must be getting pretty spiritually mature. And although there could be elements of truth there, it's also a pitfall for pride. Let me tell you something and remind you, God hates pride, which scares me because I wrestle with pride a lot. And as you set these habits in place and you start to grow and you start to bear fruit from these things that you're doing over and over and over, that's exciting. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be awesome. But you can't start to grade yourself because Paul, let's think about this. The guy who wrote two thirds of the New Testament said in the book of Philippians, he said, I have not arrived. Okay, so all the stuff that we're studying 2,000 years later and memorizing and learning, using to learn about God, the guy who wrote that said, I have not arrived. He said, in fact, I'm pressing forward. I haven't achieved yet. Philippians 1.6 says, he who began a good work in you, who? He who began. Did you begin the good work in yourself? No. It says, he who began a good work in you, will be faithful to complete it until the perfect day. And what that means, the whole perfect day scenario, that means until you are not here anymore, God is perfecting you and working in you. So let's keep the credit, the grading, all that kind of stuff, let's keep it where it belongs, which is with him. Okay? Let's use these habits to go forward, to continue to grow, but don't try and grade yourself because you're only going to get into pride or self-pity. Okay? It's a pitfall. And habits are not good for showing others your spirituality. If you want to set up habits and then you feel the temptation to show off, that's pride. It's a pitfall. Do you have to let everybody know when you do something well? Do you have to let people know every time you've done something well? There's Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus is talking to this massive crowd of people, and he says, guys, don't pray like the Pharisees pray. Should we pray? Simple question. You can answer. Should we pray? Yes, we should. Absolutely. 
He said, don't pray like the Pharisees pray. How did the Pharisees pray? He said, when they pray, they go out on the corner of the street and they sound their trumpet. And they pray really loud, really long, impressive prayers. Now, prayer is a habit. That's good. You should do it. But don't do it in the way that you're trying to get everyone to go, oh, wow. Pastor Stephen, they got his prayer life on lockdown. Did you hear how many scriptures he quoted when he prayed? Homie knows his Bible. Here's the thing. Today, you should be confronted with the fact that you need to be intentional about your habits, that you might need to change some habits or develop some habits. But more importantly than that, as you're thinking about what are some habits I want to put in place, you need to ask yourself this question, which is most important. Why do you want to put those habits in place? Is it so you can impress people? Is it so you can feel better about yourself? Or is it so you can come more in line with who God says you are and learn more how to be what you have become? Which gives God glory, not you glory. Okay? Gives God credit, not you. It's grace. It's a gift. You might think, well, what, what if I'm working hard on these habits? How come I can't get a little, a little, you know, a little, hey, you've been working hard. Listen, do you have a brain without God giving you a brain? Can you interpret thoughts and words? Can you understand the words I'm saying right now without God giving you the ability to do so? No. So everything that you do is a gift from God. Now that can make you go, oh, I want my gold star. (laughs) Or it can make you go, God's awesome. That's worship. When in your heart you're like, Whoa, God, that's worship. That's the response that's due. Okay, so it's not good for showing off. Don't use your habits to show off. What habits are good for? I'm going to wrap this up because the Packers are about to play. What habits are good for? Helping you remember who you are. Just like all the mirrors we have in our life are good for reminding us what we look like, habits are good for reminding us who we are. The more you do something to where it becomes automatic or autonomous for you, it it, it becomes part of who you are, okay? I'm a bus driver, so I don't have to think so hard as much anymore about the things that I all do all the time, and they're now habitual. It reinforces the truth. Habits are good for reinforcing truth that you've learned, okay? Habits are good for keeping you going when inspiration fades, okay? We just had the PGA Championship here uh, a few weeks ago. I got to go. It was a lot of fun. I loved it. Loved golf. Had a blast there. Who got to go? Any, anybody here get to go? A few hands. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Rory McIlroy, if you know anything about golf, you know Rory McIlroy. He's one of the best in the world. Was number one for a long time. Rory McIlroy is doing this interview. And in this interview, he's at the driving range and he's just swinging away. And he's swinging away. And he's hitting all these balls while the guy's asking him all these questions. Don't be critiquing my form if you're a golf player, okay? And... Uh, He's hitting all these balls, and the guy asks him, he says, or he's talking to him, asking all these questions, and while Rory swings, he says, man, I'd give anything to have a swing like you had. To which Rory stops, and he kind of sets the club down, and he says, no, you wouldn't. And the guy's like, yeah, I would, man. If I could swing like you, man, I'd give anything to have a swing like that. To which Rory says, no, if you would, you'd be out here every day swinging at a thousand balls like I am. He's Irish, okay, so... He'd say, you'd be swinging at a thousand balls like I am. You'd be having the blisters on your hands and the blood on your hands that I have. And the guy's, oh. (laughs) Roy's like, shut your mouth, because no, you wouldn't. (laughs) If something matters, you'll be able to, you will accredit the discipline, the time, the effort to it, and how much more important, how much more significant, how much more crucial is our spiritual life than a little white ball flying through the air and landing in a hole. Right? So, the thing is, I went to the PGA. I got to go out there a couple days, had a blast, got to watch my favorite golfers and everything. It was amazing. But you know when you go to something like that, you're like, man, I'm about to hit the golf course. I'm going to hit the driving range a few times a week. I'm going to work on my swing. I'm going to watch some videos. I'm going to get my habits down. I'm going to get my muscle memory down. I'm going to become like, I'm going to be on the PGA Tour in two years at least. Okay? And so you're like, you get all this inspiration because you see these great people, these people who are great at what they do. You see them do it and you're like, I can do that. I'm going to develop that. They make it look pretty easy. And then 
then you're like, for a week, you do that. And then two weeks, and even a few weeks after that, you're like, yeah. But then like a month later, <laughs> maybe not so jazzed, maybe not so zealous, maybe not. Maybe you've hit like 300 too many slices that you're like, I ah, forget it. <laughs> maybe you hit somebody with a ball and you're like, I'm hopeless. <laughs> and so the point is, we get inspired. We see greatness in life or we get called from the word of God to things and we get inspired and we're like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to change my life forever. And the problem is, we'll do good for a little bit, but then our inspiration fades and it's gone. But if you took the time to set up a habit and get a habit going when the inspiration fades, it doesn't matter. I promise you there are days Rory McIlroy doesn't want to go out to the driving range. I guarantee it. I guarantee you when he had blisters and blood, he didn't want to swing a club. But the habit was set up so that when the inspiration wasn't there, the habit was there. There's a quote there. Motivation is what gets you started. Habit is what keeps you going, okay? So habits are good for keeping you going when inspiration fades. Habits are good for denying your flesh. When the temptation comes to to succumb to fleshly temptation, Jesus said... If any man desires to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In fact, there are many, many passages where Jesus said things like that about, uh, if you want to follow me, you've got to lose everything. He, he had some pretty sobering calls like that. And so let me just put this out there. Following Christ is not easy. Following Christ has hardship. Following Christ has difficulty. Following Christ requires denying your flesh. And so habits can be a helpful tool with that. Habits are good for feeding your spirit and for keeping your spirit sensitive and in the lead. Like I said, there's three parts of you, spirit, soul, and body. Whichever one you feed is the one that will lead. Ooh. (laughs) The one that you lead is the one that will, or I'm sorry, the one that you feed is the one that will lead. If you put three dogs in a fight and you only feed one of them, which one's going to win? The one that's been fed. It's going to have strength. So if all you're doing is watching Chick flicks. Nothing wrong with chick flicks. Don't personally enjoy them that much, but I'm married, so, you know, my wife helps me find some that are good, you know, okay. Chick flicks, not my favorite, but uh, there was a time before I got married when I'm like, I'm not watching chick flicks. And the reason is because if I watch a chick flick, it makes me go, well, where's my special someone? (laughs) And then it makes you go looking for it when it might not be the right time for it because you're feeding your soul, which is not bad, but if you feed your soul too much and don't feed your spirit enough, then your soul's going to lead and you're going to be getting into bad relationships when God's not leading you into those relationships. So whichever one you lead is, or whichever one you feed is the one that will lead. All right, um, let's all bow our heads, let's close our eyes. I want to ask you this, time's up, and uh, I, I want everyone to close your eyes and I want you to ask yourself a question because today we've been confronted with the fact that hearing this is not enough. And it's, if you come here and you hear and you don't do, then you're deceiving yourself. So right now, ask yourself, what am I to do with what I learned today? In fact, you need to start to ask yourself that every time you hear the word. What, from what I heard, am I to do? Some of you have some ideas right now of habits that you want to develop, some habits that you want to grow in. So today I just challenge you to get out of here and do that. Don't wait till tomorrow when you wake up Monday morning and you want to curse your life. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, But let's take this opportunity to, to let the inspiration that it is here right now push us into developing habits that will stick. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.